0: Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McClain would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters, Scott Hansen. Pat McLean. thanks for joining us. That's right, as we... uh... Talk about financial matters. Both myself and my co-host here—we're both financial advisors, co-host and long-term business partner, I might add. No, long time since 1991. Is that right? We started working together. Okay. Doing joint work together. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, we we are both financial advisors throughout the day, weekday, and uh, come here to broadcast on the weekends, being your financial advisors on the air and over a podcast. And glad you are with us. And we've got, um, I think we're going to have some calls today as typical. We also have um, our director of tax solutions talking about some year-end tax
1: tips. So Suzanne's going to join us for a bit. And- Which is an important part. You think? Of, yes. Especially uh, getting down to the end of the year, the things that you can do now. Yep. That will affect the check that you may or may not have to write um, in the first quarter or second quarter yep. of next year. Uh, before we do that, go to the calls.
0: We, Pat and I, we were just chatting just before we went on air and you were saying, you asked someone in our studio here what how old they were. He <laughs> said, so you are wondering if you, they were millennial. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. right. <laughs> and then we're having this discussion about millennials and, and
1: some, some are working their butts off. Some are, it, it is not a fair um, assessment to throw everyone into no, no, a no. single.
0: But I, I, I saw a study uh, several months ago and it, it showed the, the, the economic prosperity of millennials, and there's this tremendous bifurcation that we had not seen in other um, generations before. Where there's a good chunk that are doing extremely well. Okay, like you probably have a couple kids that you would say extreme, and then there's a, and also a massive chunk that are still struggling, baristas and trying to string together a couple jobs, and and there's like no middle. And so they're they, either working for a tech company or whatever. They're careers minded, doing well, making
1: six figures or plus, or they're struggling, and not a lot in the middle. And what did they? Was there any? Was there any thought as to why this is occurring?
0: I don't know. I mean, I'm
1: a, huh? from a social scientist perspective, <laughs> okay,
0: it's reality though. It is reality, and with with the housing market today, it's really difficult. I was thinking back, it's funny, I was thinking back, like, when I was 19 or 20, um, I was in college, it was a little different, but I remember I, like, had some friends that skipped college and they were just paying rent, and, like, how hard was it then? So, I mean, if you got a job back then, minimum wage was four or five bucks an hour in 1990, Uh, I'm sorry, 1984, when I graduated high school, Minimum, minimum wage, four or five bucks an hour, and rent was... If you worked full time at minimum wage, it still wasn't enough to get an apartment on your own. That's you would have to share with somebody
1: or a room, or which is the cohabitation. That's just part of life.
0: Yes, and it's, but I think it's even more challenging today, even more difficult. And then on the home ownership, it's tremendously difficult. Home ownership, the homes, the the home that I bought in 1992 when I was first married. Was about two hundred thousand. The house today is probably seven fifty or eight. So it's gone up four x.
1: And inflation hasn't moved that, that fast. That's right.
0: And a starting wa- a wage for a few years out of college wouldn't have been quite the same. Yes, hasn't moved. Couldn't anything.
1: afford that same house. It Has not moved that quickly. And the pandemic, the pandemic actually set lots of the response to the pandemic set lots of people back. Because you could stay in college, there were programs to pay you to stay in college. You couldn't actually go
0: in person. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's a strange. It's a strange, um, strange. Yeah, economy. Wonder, it's right?
1: actually, well, it's actually. what we what we probably will start to see is a relocation, and we've started seeing it out of high cost states to low cost states. I have many of my clients. Have moved to the Midwest or... Yeah, we're broadcasting in Northern California. Yes. We've lived most of our lives. It, it, many of my clients uh, have moved to the Midwest because their children have moved to the Midwest. And you're like, well, why would they move to the Midwest? Well, I know one family, everyone in the family has moved to the state of Tennessee. And so the grandparents are following to the state of Tennessee. And they've lived in California their whole entire life. Uh, not not uh, they they moved here in their twenties, and they're in their eighties now, and they're moving to Tennessee. And it's not because they can't afford to live in California; it's because Our they kids be, can't
0: afford to live in California.
1: Kids cannot afford to live in California. You know what was amazing? Um, I was reading yesterday the highest uh, per capita income. Uh, one of the highest per capita in, incomes in the United States was in the in the state of Wyoming. Wyoming. Wyoming, because of the taxation, and oh,
0: all the all the wealthy people that have moved to Jackson Hole. That's right the, by the ranchers. <laughs> right? And they live there seven months and a year. And
1: dislocated the people that are living there. That dislocated those people. So wealth moves to an area and then actually there was an article in the Wall Street Journal uh, a few weeks ago. It was called your house made you rich now move. And it talked exactly about how in areas where housing prices have gone up so much that people are saying, well, I could live someplace different. It's a, it's a strange. Right. And at the same time when you've
0: got, you're in a house, let's say you've got a $400,000 mortgage at Three percent, and and uh, unless you're going to go and down move somewhere where the house is where you can buy a house with cash, you're,
1: you're not you're, you're not s- moving,
0: which is creating You know, so, so I was talking to somebody who had uh, they had a place in, uh they moved um, to Whitefish, Montana. They lived in Canada. They were Canadian and they bought a place in Whitefish, Montana. Whitefish. That's Canada.
1: wasn't cold enough for them. Isn't,
0: isn't it Whitefish? That's the town, right? It's Supposed to be like some new hip. Uh, I don't know. I'm not in wait the- yeah whitefish i was there briefly a couple years ago uh and they were talking about these <laughs> these condo developments these duplexes that they're selling and their duplex going for a million dollars i thought montana like what state has more land than montana <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> yeah, and you can't even get a single family you can't afford a single family home in
1: montana <laughs> okay i thought it's a bit ironic a lot of the uh, uh a lot of actually the land is actually owned by the government in Montana. But that's a different story altogether. I was not aware of that. Yes. Yes. So anyway. All right. Let's uh, <laughs> Let's let's uh, give out our phone number. What do you think? 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-999-6784. If you'd like to um, join the show and if you call in, uh, we will arrange a time to speak to you. That's right. Let's
0: uh, start off here with Jeremy. Jeremy you're with Allworth's Money Matters.
2: Well, hello, gentlemen. Hi, Jeremy. Um, first, I want, to say, I want to say thank you for taking my call, but more than that, I, I just want to say that I, I stumbled on your guys' show back in late 1995, I believe. And I hear you guys say you've been doing this for 28 years, and I think that I must have found you very near yeah. the beginning. Because we started that time in the middle, middle of
0: 95.
2: Okay. And that's when I started my, my first what I would call actual job. And I started listening to you guys and, and I'd made it a priority that I would go home on Saturday afternoons at noon, I believe it was, and I and I would <laughs> wait for you guys' show to come on and, and and listen to it. I think it was two hours back then. Yep. And um and I learned a lot with you guys over the years and, and I really got fascinated with the idea of compound growth. And and you just mentioned you were talking about minimum wage a little ago and, and that's how much I made at the time it was five dollars and thirty five cents an hour. And I started by saving twenty dollars a week at the time. Wow. And and over the years that we've gotten raises and promotions, um, you know, I've I've upped that savings and and um and I put a lot of it, you know, on onto what I've learned from, from you guys. And and I know I've listened to you guys long enough that you'll say, you know, I did the hard work. You know, that I did the hard work. You didn't do the hard work. You guys. But it was a lot of, of the things you said that kept me grounded, you know, things about the markets going up and down and staying invested, um, leaving it where it was, you know, and not, not monkeying with the money and, and changing, changing investments around too much. And, you know, just a lot of good advice over the years kept me interested, kept me reading books and learning more and more about um, – about finances and and i really want to thank you guys for that there you have a partnership in this i promise
1: well (laughs) well thank you that made my day but you were the more than made my day
0: there were many (laughs) many of weekends where there was a tremendous sacrifice to come in and do the show and missing kids sporting events and a variety of things and i mean um when we were when we used to broadcast live on the weekends there was and I suppose I could look back and at, at this stage of my life say this, this has been my life work. <laughs> but and, and money is just a piece of life, but it's really hard to have a lot of peace in your life when you don't have financial peace at home. And um, by having some financial independence, it gives you tremendous flexibility in how to where to use your, your gifts and talents in life. So. And
1: you should be proud of your discipline too. It's it's right. it's you were disciplined.
2: Yeah. And another thing you guys say that I'm that I'm really trying to make, uh, you know, I'll I'll be 50 this later on or early into 2024. And and I'm trying to convince myself as we go along that at some point I have to transition from that saver into someone who's willing to spend it. You know, that's going to be a difficult transition for me. But but I hear you guys talk about it and I know that that's something that I need to work on. um, Those are good problems to have. Yeah, and that's true. Daniel, yes, you know, I, yeah. I try not to complain, but it, as you said, the, the the piece of it, and and the other thing you guys say about you know being able to choose what you do, when you do, and how you do it, you know, it's it, that's a neat piece of advice. But I always thought the financial security it just brought me brought me peace at home because I remember a time not having very much money where, you know, just little little things might cause a, a rift between me and my wife, which I wouldn't want. But it could, you know, just, just something going wrong, you know, with the refrigerator breaking or something. It just it brings a, a, a level of stress into a home, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That Ger- once you have exactly some, right. some security behind you really, really um it, it allows you to live just a little more peacefully, I think. Uh, and and Jeremy, that's what my goal is.
1: That you I, I I to to this day I can remember uh uh having almost no money, we needing the backyard hitting a rock, the rock flying into a sliding glass window and breaking it. And me thinking, what <laughs> the heck? <laughs> just like- You have like, no money for the like, for the sliding glass door. Right? I have no money. <laughs> right, and you're just like, oh, well, I've got to replace the sliding glass door, right? And you think about that now, and you think back at and you're like, well, that's part of it, right? That is, that's
2: just part of life. Uh, anyway, what's your question for us? So so last week, you were speaking to a gentleman, and, and I thought I'd heard all the questions. Um, and he was talking about an after-tax contribution to his 401k. And this is something I just started looking into a couple of weeks ago. And um, And you had asked him the question if he had an IRA outside. And I'm assuming that would have to do... Um, with, with the taxation, where they call it the pro rata. I don't, I don't understand it that's completely.
1: Correct. That's correct.
2: But but he had said no, so you guys didn't continue down that path. But I do. Okay. So I'm wondering if that's going to, to affect what I'm trying to accomplish. Now, on, what what I'm going to do, uh, according to the way my company's plan works, is um, they will do an in-plan conversion on the day that it enters. So they say there won't really be any tax consequences, um, but that I can – you know, as soon as it goes in after tax that day, it will convert to a Roth. Um, I didn't You're know maybe kidding. if that would. That's what the, that's what Fidelity said. I called them and they set it up for me and they said it would be, you know, immediate.
0: So the, 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 let me understand. So this is this is for contributions in excess of the limits. Is that right? Correct. Correct. And they're saying that you can make an after tax contribution and they will immediately convert it to a Roth 401k, not a, you don't have to convert it to a Roth IRA. Correct. Wow. I've not seen that. I have. It's new to me.
2: Oh, I mean, I, that, that's the way they explained it to me. And, you know, they never asked me where to send them, you know, where to send the money outside. But I mean. Because what typically happens,
0: so first of all, a lot of companies don't allow for excess contributions on an after, a lot of 401ks don't allow for after-tax contributions. And so once you max out either pre-tax or a Roth uh um, uh, contributions to your 401k, you're maxed out. Some companies allow you to con- continue to make contributions on an after-tax basis. And when you do that, let's say you put in $10,000. Any growth, if you leave it la- that way, any growth is going to go into the tax-deferred portion. So let's say that ten dollars ends up making five grand over the next several years. That $5,000 is going to be part of the tax-deferred portion of your retirement account. So at, when, at retirement time, when you say you transfer it all out, that 5000 of earnings is going to stick it's going to go into the a regular IRA while the 10000 after tax conversion can go to a, a Roth if if you can immediately convert it to a Roth and there's nothing then that $5000 growth is going to be in the Roth portion well, and and it makes or that's why that's why oftentimes it's it's encouraged to people to on an annual mm-hmm. basis to do an in-service this is how it's this is how it's been historically, and it hasn't been happening that many years where you can do these things. Historically, it's been you, you put the money in after taxes. At the end of the year, you do an in-service distribution, and you convert it to a, a Roth IRA.
1: So that way that future growth stays in the Roth as opposed to the – And that's when the pro rata comes into place. With other IRAs, with but it's not the IRAs, case with the but It doesn't – it makes sense to me, um, and it, it makes sense. I don't uh, – We'd have to look at the tax law, but if the plan allows if the plan allows for it, it makes absolute sense.
2: So so if there's no earnings growth, then it probably shouldn't it shouldn't cause any issues for my outside uh, pre tax IRA? That's
1: correct. That's correct. That's correct. Okay. I'm still suspect. I wouldn't uh, I would do a little bit more research before I said but what you just explained is correct. It's no different than when I make an after-tax contribution can to you take an a, can IRA. You take a, wait, wait second. Right. So I make an after-tax contribution to an IRA. I convert to a Roth IRA the very next day. It makes, it makes perfect but sense. But you can't
0: call up your employer and say, hey, I've got 100000 in my 401k. I'd like to take 10000 and convert it to the Roth 401k. I've never heard of that. Because by doing that, this is essentially the same thing. That, okay. It skirts the rules of of having to say what is your uh, your your tax basis in your IRAs and taking that into consideration, where the pro rata um, accounting comes into play.
1: How many people did you talk to at uh, Fidelity that answered the question?
2: Just one. Now, now my HR department here uh, that that I work for told me I needed to call them to set it up because they're you know I need to call them to set up the automatic conversions. And so when I called in, I told him what I was trying to accomplish. And he said, uh, they sent me over to the person who handles our company, I guess. And he he said, yeah. And I I asked him directly, will, you know, is this gonna cause any taxes, like any growth taxes inside this plan that I'm gonna, I was more concerned with, I'm gonna end up with another, you know, tax filing problem more than anything. And um, and he said, no, it it happens immediately. And there, you know, there won't be any taxes because there won't be any growth.
1: Wow. Well, listen, um, you've been listening to the show for a long time. We actually have a retirement plan division at (laughs) all. We could
0: ask that many companies that have uh, retirement plans with us. And um, I will actually make sure I follow. But my guess is this has been a change that I have that has slipped us.
2: and, And maybe if I can add on and just ask, I mean, is I mean is Roth maybe am I getting too heavy into this Roth nope thing? nope um because I really don't know that I'm going to be in California forever and I feel like I'm paying this big tax up front that that I'm not going to you know the, the so basically I'm paying 35% today for what might only be a 20% or 22% 25 maybe later
0: well on the after so we we've been discussing after tax contributions so you not you've not and you have not you have, you don't have the ability to take a tax check cuz you've already maxed a, maxed out your 401k. So
1: on your 401 on a pre-tax basis. Have you have you maxed well, no, out my
2: your 401k is almost all Roth as well. Well, that's okay. a different
1: question altogether. So that's Correct. a completely that's different question. Yeah, yeah, what's right your I've,
2: I've got it 50/50. So basically almost to the dollar I have 50% of our of our retirement in pre-tax and 50% in Roth.
1: And how? What are those balances?
2: It's right around six hundred thousand each.
1: And you said you're in your fifties,
2: forty-nine. I'll be fifty in two months.
0: And what's your family income?
2: Oh, probably. I mean, give or take two hundred fifty. I would. But also, we're we're in the midst of you know we're cash flowing a daughter in college who will graduate later this year. And then we have a two year break, which is why I was going to go to after tax, because we have a two year break before our second daughter goes off to college. And so we'll have some excess money. And what I'm trying to get done here is I'd like to have basically my retirement done by like fifty five. Not that I want to stop working, but I would like us to be able to do more.
0: And you think you'll you think you'll leave California.
2: I mean, it's actually our, our dream to leave the United States and nothing against the United States or California. They've been very good to me, but I just I feel like we would like to do we, we want to try another culture.
1: And like move to Spain like or hunting. what's that? Spain, Costa Rica, Ecuador is
2: our dream. We're, we're going there for a oh. third time next week, as a matter of fact. Um, and, you know, when we went down there, we I think we kind of like to start a business of, of running some some rental units and rental properties. down there. Uh, then I would make it all pre-tax
1: contributions okay. 100%. Yeah because
2: no, you're going to have and a and very different I tax kind of a very
1: it. different tax structure because right now
0: uh, with 250,000 you are you're right near the 32% tax bracket. So after you I don't know if you itemize or standardize, but after you either one of those and it's probably for most people, the vast majority of Americans take a standard deduction now, which is 27,000. After that, income above 230 is that 32 I'm sorry Income above two hundred and thirty is goes from thirty two to thirty five percent, but even at one hundred and eighty, you jump from twenty four to thirty two percent. So
2: wait that now, now I mentioned I was married, right? Yeah, yes. I'm
0: looking at oh, yeah, I'm on the, I got my finger on the wrong spot. And I should should be better at you are you kind of
2: yeah. between the twenty two and yep.
0: the twenty four. yep, yep. that's just looking
1: right here. You're twenty four percent. So I m- make those all pre tax.
2: Okay. I'd make them up because the you're, you're, pay, you're right paying,
0: you're paying, you're paying
2: 9.3%.
3: Yep. To count and maybe and more than that. But,
2: but, but the other thing that I listen to you guys a lot on and that leaned me toward Roth a little bit is that someday they're going to probably strongly means test on the social security. And I thought if they do that, they may start with just your taxable income. And so, you know, if, if you can keep your taxable income low by using Roth, you might get more of your social security dollars.
0: Yeah, but let's say you're six hundred thousand. Let's say you don't contribute it. Well, even if you contribute it for the next several years, let's even say that's two million dollars, which would be a long time from now. It required minimum distribution is about eighty thousand a year. That might be your only
2: taxable income. Yeah, you d- absolutely want to go pre-tax. Okay, absolutely. Okay, I would. We, we put one hundred percent of my wife's in pre-tax, and and I and and usually what I do is I do just enough. I do enough pre-tax to keep us below the threshold so that we can still do Roth in an IRA for each of us. Got it. Does that make sense? So, that that so, does you know, make we sense. The standard getting... deduction... Plus the twenty three thousand deduction for her, and then maybe around another ten to fifteen it's, on mine. Yeah, still, we end up just below to where we can do a, an IRA on the outside.
1: That, that's right, and go, I would still go pre tax based on the premise that you're okay. going to leave the state of California. Okay. and I got a, I got a question. Are you
0: doing IRAs or Roth IRAs? I'm sorry, I said Roth IRAs. Okay, yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So still pre tax. And you have your okay. you have a question. Oh, I I had a, a comment about Costa Rica. So my family and I went to, it's a small world, right? It is a very, very small world. My family and I went to Costa Rica. It's a small world if you have money to buy plane
0: tickets to fly your family to Costa Rica. (laughs) I don't think you flew to Costa Rica as a kid growing up in the McLean household. We went camping. Okay. (laughs) With a two-hour drive. We did. Okay
1: same thing with
0: how I grew up okay no Costa Rica for the Hanson family Hanson kids when
1: I was growing up. oh this is really now gonna sound like a rich person yes, it story. Does, yes. <laughs> but can, yes okay we were on a private yacht <laughs> <laughs> off the coast of, off the coast we're of Costa Rica you were not. we were not um I, we were in Costa Rica and we were on this uh trip with the four kids and we uh have By the way, Costa Rica you can do very inexpensive. Oh, it's very, very
0: inexpensive. It's very much less expensive than Hawaii. Yes,
1: yeah. It, it's probably it, less expensive than Cabo. It's and it's beautiful. So we get in this van and we go to this resort in the middle of like nowhere, and it's up this dirt road and it's muddy, and we get there and we get to the resort, and there's almost no one. It's a beautiful resort. There's almost no one at the resort. And it's not that expensive. A couple hundred dollars a day per room, and it's beautiful, and we're at the beach and and at the end of the day, my wife, we're in the swimming pool, and we swim up to the swim-up bar because we can. Um, we can swim. Um, and, and there's a bar and in the pool. And there's a bar in the pool. And we're standing there, and we're having a drink, and the guy next to me goes, hey, Pat, how's it going? And I'm like, what? He goes, oh, I go from the gym. And I'm thinking, but now... You ruined my story by making it a rich person's story. Was
0: sorry? it just? It, I was in San Francisco a couple, couple weeks ago, and the gym that I went to when I was there had a executive. Uh, was well, not the, line, <laughs> the, the, the men's locker room. There's the executive portion. Oh, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> so I had never. St- oh no, the gym I you, go to. Yeah, the executive.
1: No, gym. no, but what no. I really liked about the guy is he actually had. Um, in order to save money, he rented a VRBO right next to the resort, and then would sneak in every day. <laughs> Anyway, well, uh, Jeremy, thank you for uh, indulging me in my little uh, yeah, story and
0: thinking. Well, you taught us something today. Yes,
1: thank you. Appreciate your time
0: anyway, and uh, thank
2: you guys for your part in where I am today. I, I really, really do appreciate well, it. i sure there's there's a ton of people out there that you'll never talk to who you've made that that difference in their lives as well. Wow. So, so appreciate that. I hope. Well, thank, thank you, Jeremy. I'm thank you.
0: gonna I'm gonna play this little clip of recording when I wake up in a bad mood and feel sorry for myself oh. about
1: something. I'm going to play it for my family I'll on i feel Christmas. the grave injustices in my life. Christmas morning, I'm playing it for my family. <laughs> so That's <they're
0: all> <laughs> joke. Before you get the stockings, kids. Kids. Do you guys still do stockings? Does your wife do stockings for the yes, kids? Yes, she does. Yeah. Do you get stocking stuff? I don't Is re- there a Pat
1: stocking? There's one on the Is There's stuff in it. I don't remember. Oh, good thing your wife doesn't listen. because she probably I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think there's anything in mine. Yeah. Anyway, well, obviously, enough, I right. haven't played en- paid enough attention, or I would remember.
0: Yeah. Hey, we've got a special guest in our studio today, Suzanne Conrad, who is heads up. She's a director of our tax solutions within Allworth. We've got a team of, of CPAs and tax professionals here to do with taxes, and she was kind enough to join us in the studio to talk about some year-end tax tips. But before we get to that, what is the, with the tax um, season this year, and a lot of a lot of well, California much of California people were able to automatically extend till October and then it wasn't it like October 15th or something they just some an automatic extension again
4: yes it was like at uh, 11 o'clock on the due date they decided to give everybody an extra month so that was fantastic. Um, you know, it helped a few people, but it just, it just helped went a few,
0: just made your t- life j- worse, right?
4: <laughs> you know, there are a few people that it actually helped and we could take advantage of, but it was so late in the day. It was kind of crazy just since COVID, you know, what's, what's happened with the tax world. It's just, uh, kind of turned things around as it has for so many people.
0: So uh, with some things to, to do, which we're in December now, what are some of some things that people can do that can have a meaningful impact on their tax bill? Not just next year, but long term?
4: You know, long term obviously planning is 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 a all year round thing, ideally. But there are things we can do in September, and, you yeah, know, it's towards the to end be of the all year. Years. <laughs> it's it's supposed to most be.
1: people are busy with their lives. Let's and- assume that <laughs> yeah. it, people wait till the month of December.
4: Okay, assuming they wait till December, there are you know donations we can look at. You can look at gifting. Um, you know, stocks with with appreciation to family members, right? So you can transfer those those assets out. Maybe your your family member is lower earning; they can take advantage of some of the zero percent tax bracket. Yeah, um, because
0: even on on capital gains, a single person um, with with income of forty five grand, roughly or less, there's zero tax on the capital gains, right? So like that's a correct. College student or yeah. someone just getting started in life, and
4: yeah, it's a great family wealth transfer strategy right you know yeah. if you if you want to just pass it on help your kids a little bit teach them a little bit about investing that's a great way to go and then also you know there are some charitable donations you can make with with the appreciated stock you can also donate appreciated stock to a charitable organization you know, instead of sending your own cash, you send the shares to the to the organization. You get the fair market value of the donation instead of the cost basis. So the, the organization benefits from the appreciation. You may get a deduction for that. And so then let me ask
0: you a question about that. How many years have you been doing taxes?
4: Uh, 24.
0: Okay. And how often do you see people that are making, let's just say, large enough charitable contributions that it would make sense to give stock and mutual funds as opposed to cash? How often do you see people who have made cash contributions when they should have made, they would have been better off making contributions of Is securities. it the
1: majority of the time?
4: You know, with af- after the 2018 tax changes, it's a lot harder to benefit from charitable donations, and I think that's what you're getting at.
0: Because a lot of people take a standardized yeah, deduction.
4: Yeah, the standardized deduction. The standard deduction is so much higher. So you have to get creative in your in your donating to be able to have a benefit, and that's a great point is, you know, donating the stock if you're going to donate money anyway and you're not going to get a itemized deduction for it why not sell those you know move those appreciated shares over so you don't have to take the gains and then give it you just want to give it directly yeah. it's a better way to go or And this is but we've also
0: encouraged some people how about give two years worth of giving let's say someone they're they're they tied to their church all the time and they don't get the tax deduction anymore say why don't you throw an extra use a donor advised fund do two
1: or three years worth of contributions and then drive yourself into an, an area where you could actually take care, take, the take tax benefit in on an itemized deduction basis.
4: Absolutely. That's a great idea as well. And then you can kind of, you know, in a higher income year, if you're, if you're, if you tend to tide 10%, right, then, then you might get over that standard deduction. You do that donor advised fund, you do two or three years, you get the deduction in the current year and then you spread out your distributions to the charitable organizations. Yeah. And If you have medical, you know, some as we age, we have more medical issues sometimes. And so if you have enough medical expenses where you're over that itemized deduction threshold, you might want to couple that with a donor advised fund donation, and then you can take advantage of itemized deductions. And I want to
1: step back a little bit about this gifting. So I had some clients that came in last week, and they wanted to gift a house to their children, but their children are in the same tax bracket as they are. And they're in their. My clients are in their 80s, and so I had to explain to them uh, how step up in basis works, right? right. No. Which, which, by the way, it, you know, sitting with a client and talking about their death and how it's actually good for their tax situation is it's a little bit uncomfortable. As I said, look, this is going to that's gonna- the reality.
0: Though someone's in their 80s, it's like let's do everything we can to avoid selling some securities. That's right. As yeah. soon as someone passes away, we get a, we can
1: avoid all that. Capital and by the way. If the if the children are in a high tax bracket, the idea of actually gifting their your appreciated stock to them helps nobody.
4: Nobody, correct.
1: <laughs> no, nobody. Yeah. Um, in fact, if they're in a higher tax bracket, which is often the case, it actually is it hurts. Yes. So when you're hearing this advice, don't take it as like this is what I'm going to do. I I just want to caution the listeners. Because a large part of it kind of depends on where you're at in life. And you're in your 60s, and the kids are in a lower tax bracket, but not in zero. It might make sense. But if you're in your 80s or 90s, and the end is probably near, we don't know, then you might be better off. You're much
0: closer to the end than when you're younger. I mean, come on. Right. No one gets out of here alive last night, look.
4: (laughs) As you were saying that, I'm shaking my head. No. (laughs) Um, And, and, you know, there's been a change in the property tax laws in California. And so I think people are trying to get around increased property taxes by transferring their house. But usually the appreciation in the house and that stepped up benefit is going to be significantly greater than, you know, 10 or 15 years of property taxes. So that's where you really need some planning and To be talking to all your advisors. And
1: Suzanne, another client three weeks ago said to me, we're moving these properties into my kids' names now because of Prop 13. And I'm like, just... Hold on. Just stop. You're talking about pennies and I'm talking about dollars. Correct. Um, So, and they said, well, how do we get out of this Prop 13? And I'm like, you don't. No. You do not. You can... We can make that, and you could feel good about getting out of Prop 13 in the state of California, but you're going to make the overall situation so much worse for yourself. By the way, I do have a question for you. That's why she's here, to answer our questions. (laughs) Thank you. This step-up in basis uh, at death makes no sense to me. It it makes none. Well,
0: you, unless you argue that capital gains in and of itself makes no sense. You've already been taxed on the capital and much of that gain is just inflation anyway, but okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue with your
4: question. No, I, it it doesn't, but it's a fantastic thing as long as it's here. And in the last round of tax proposals that didn't go through, they actually really were talking about significantly changing that, which is, you know, they always grumble about it. But in my 24 years, this was kind of the most seriously they've they've really looked at it. And it was it. Mo-
0: if my, my re- recollection was correct, it's, it was at higher
1: income folks. Wasn't correct. It above yeah. Certain amounts.
4: Yeah. So, you know, I think we should take advantage of it while it's here.
1: That's, <laughs> and, and so the Supreme Court uh, is hearing this last week or, or on this taxation for unrecognized gain and it was kind of a quirk in the law for repatriation of foreign assets yeah. is the way i understood it um you want to to opine on what the security yeah. <laughs> the supreme court may rule next no June? no but uh, how do you think about that is if if someone's going to pay tax on unrecognized gain what
4: does i mean it kind of goes against the foundation of the tax code which you know in tax 101 we learned it's it's based on the wherewithal to pay right so you shouldn't have to pay tax if you didn't get some money to pay that tax and so i i i don't know you know it just it doesn't make sense it doesn't to, make sense no it doesn't make sense so hopefully it, so. May, it
1: it's actually very very bad for capital formation
4: <laughs> yes i bet <laughs> it's
1: extremely uh, dangerous for capital of course commerce. yeah for sure that's not gonna go anywhere it's right. probably not. There's a lot
4: of people with a lot of money that <laughs> that will not like I mean, that. So hopefully,
0: how disruptive if, if suddenly you start taxing appreciated assets that you haven't realized? Yes.
4: Yeah, it's it's going to be mean, a you're disaster. You're a farmer, and all of
0: a sudden, hey, you yeah, three million dollars
1: because you. someone built a condo next year. <laughs> <laughs> someone yeah, that's built right. a condo next to your property, and all of a sudden <laughs> the value went up. You're out there growing hay, and your property value has gone up, and you had nothing to do
0: with it. Just, um, can we? Can you? speak to a bit to tax-loss harvesting. So one of the things that we do with, we talk about a lot with our clients and planning, a, alongside with our Allworth tax team, um, is it f- for money that's outside of retirement accounts, it's it's managing on a tax smart basis, right? So and there are times we look at some tax-loss harvesting, there's times what we harvest some gains and realize some gains this year, like maybe you can speak to you know, the the benefits and maybe the downsides of those things.
4: Yeah, and that's a silver lining in a down market, right? We can look at some underperforming assets, take some losses and bank those for future gains. You can either offset it in the current year and then take another, you know, so you always, if if you can, you want to offset... I mean you'd always want gains right but if you yeah, can't yeah, correct <laughs> yes if you can you want to offset the, those by losses and so you can go to zero and 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 below by $3000 right so tax loss harvesting is taking those losses and either offsetting current year gains or future year gains and it can be stock sale gains, investment gains, or, you know, if we know you're going to sell a property next year and you're going to have significant gains, we're in a down market. Let's, let's harvest some of those losses. So that tax, you know, that house sale is tax free. So it's really a good strategy and it takes forward looking planning, right? You need to, you know, it's not just this year, it's, it's two, three, four years out. Possibly, you, you know, you want to be careful. A lot of our clients are, a bit on the older side, as we talked about. So you don't want to harvest these losses and and pass away with two hundred grand, right? So you know we want to be smart about how we're doing it, but definitely an integrated approach and in looking at those losses is is really useful.
1: And it works that it, you, as long as you don't buy the same thing within thirty one days, correct? You can buy something similar but not identical, correct?
4: Correct. Yeah. Otherwise, you're subject to wash sale losses. The gain goes away. So. so
1: it's not that hard to do, and actually keep your Relative same position. Well, I, I think, and even if you look at um, direct
0: indexing, which, if if you've got a large enough investment, I mean, a direct indexing can work beautifully. Let's say you have the S and you're trying to mimic the S and P five hundred. In any year, there's plenty of stocks that have lost money, right? Right. And it gives you an opportunity to harvest some losses. And-
4: and I leave that piece to you guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what we need, they're going to gain 200 grand on their house sales. What can you do?
1: All right, we we do our best. Yes. We do our
0: best. And wh- is, what are some of the most common as we are kind of wrapping up? here, What are the, some of the most common mistakes that people make when it comes to their taxes?
4: Not talking to us before they make a move, you know. <laughs> and it's true. And yeah. and, and That's so, a good answer. you know, and the losses
1: psychologically it's uh, clients have a hard time with it right
0: whether yeah. it's that it's really any major move um i think people oftentimes avoid tax professionals they avoid financial advisors i don't know if they think that it's not worth their time and money and like just yeah. how hard can it be i think i know what i'm doing i'll just do it myself and then it's after the fact there's nothing oftentimes there's nothing you can do right? no
4: they come in in april they're like hey i sold a house i have 200 grand in grain, gain what what can you do for me i'm like nothing <laughs> you know i i don't have a magic wand so that's where the Proactive tax planning really comes into play where we can look at harvesting losses or they can make some donations before year end, make sure they're maxing out their 401k, you know, with pre-tax dollars to the call you guys had when I came in. so
1: Or use of 529s.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's not going to save money tax dollars now, but it will as that money grows, um, you know, definitely getting getting that to support your education is awesome as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is just a part of a long term financial plan. The 529s, now that you can convert it to a Roth, and the. Yeah. Uh, You're limited to like, not very, 30 grand or something. I don't know.
4: Yeah. And you have to have held it a long time, but still that money's not gone, right? I mean, prior to that, the planning was, well, we'll have a 529. If they don't use it for school, we'll pay some penalties. But now you can actually, you know, not Keep have them. to do that. Right. So that's yes. pretty awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for taking some time, Suzanne. But thank yeah. you, guys. I appreciate uh, thanks, it. Thanks for being part of the uh, All Worth yeah. team. Our, part of She's the director of our tax solutions. <laughs> she's still part of a team. That's true.
4: I am a team <laughs> Otherwise,
0: there'd be, be no
1: director. <laughs> right? It
4: would just be. Directing yourself. <laughs> you myself. would be tax solutions. <laughs> yes.
1: Um, uh, but I know our uh, financial planning team uh, relies heavily on your team, too. There's constant communication. Uh between in fact I had it myself with your team this week.
4: Oh good. Yeah, that's great. I think you know, I just really truly believe in the the integration of tax and financial planning. I think we can add so much value and save people heartache and frustration. You know, that's what we do this for, right? The the relationship and helping people out. Yes. And yeah. it's complicated. It is hard. <laughs> what we do is hard. <laughs> it's <laughs> very complicated. And it's, it's re- becomes more complicated.
0: Things are life is more complicated today than on every day. Yeah, <laughs> it is <laughs> it's it's strange. And it? it's
4: kinda willy nilly. It, it's not logical. I mean, you know. <laughs> well, we know how it all logic. gets
0: created, right? It's the Congress.
4: Right. And people with interests. That yes.
0: Their own interests. That they're... argue
4: harder than somebody else that has a difference. You know, it's just, it's it's a game. And we find a way around it. And then they create a rule.
1: <laughs> That's it.
4: <laughs> and then we find another way around it. And then they, we. so it's just always constantly moving.
1: Yeah. it's It, it always perplexed me. Like, why 59 and a half for require uh, to when you can start but at 55 from a 401k which makes absolutely no sense and then required minimum distributions moving the age out to 75 like who was what what why did you do why are you making it more complicated why couldn't it have been 60 right
0: well i would have liked (laughs) to have been back and there was some discussion obviously they're trying to make the they're trying to make the numbers work on passing a
1: spending
4: bill yeah
1: Oh um, right, that's what it comes down to. <laughs> I think you put it. Uh, I think you put it right by saying there's no logic behind any of this.
4: No, it's it's. Uh, you know, they built the tax code partially to influence policy, right? Yeah. And so there's logic, and then there's the policy stuff, and we just have to kind of, you know, we're ethically obligated to save our clients' money within the bounds of the law, and the law is gray, and so that's you know. That's 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 how I come about it. My job is I am responsible for, as a professional, saving you as much money as I can, and so that's what I try to do
1: within the gray
4: within the <laughs> within the rules I'm given as I interpret them. I actually called the IRS, and I was arguing with this. Well, I was talking to this woman, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and she said, "Well, we rely on CPAs and lawyers to interpret the laws for us." I'm like, fantastic! So I can just make it up, and <laughs> we're all good. But, yeah. It doesn't yeah. well. Thank you guys. Oh, I appreciate thank it. You, thank you, Suzanne.
0: Thank you. Appreciate you joining us. Well, I'm glad we had her on, Pat. Let's uh, let's go back the calls here. We we'll talked to Charles in California. Charles, you're with Allworth Money Matters.
3: Yes. Hi, Charles. Yes. <clears throat> so uh, I'm 75, and I just retired this year. I was a uh, self-employed, so I have a pension with a uh, defined benefit plan. Okay. Unfortunately, it was uh, overfunded because uh, the consultant didn't didn't watch. Well, that's not unfortunate. Well, no, unless
0: uh, well, you uh, violated the rules and had to pay a penalty.
3: Yeah, Is that what happened? Well, so I have financial advisor. He suggests me to roll over to IRA, and then uh, he he proposed to uh, into uh, this annuity. He proposed two options. One is uh, you get the lifetime 7, 7% seven guarantee interest rate, me and my wife combined.
1: The principal's not guaranteed, though, or is it? Or well, it's a guarantee. Uh, withdrawal benefit. Guarantee
3: the, the, the payment every year.
1: It's a withdrawal uh, benefit, not a, a principal benefit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I what, understand that. And what's the other the one? The
3: sec, second one is uh, the S&P 500 index. Is With an, a cap, cap
1: of 11.5%. Okay, and tell me what income you have coming in. Uh, so, this was how much money that was. Uh, this, uh, this is just a small portion. How much was uh, it? Uh,
3: 550000
1: what is? And what do you have uh, other places? Yeah, what's your net worth ballpark?
3: Oh, I, I have about $10 million. Oh, this is a waste of
1: time. So why are you buying an you annuity? You don't need an annuity.
0: Well, but this is overfunded, so. It doesn't matter. It's in an IRA, but now it's in an IRA. You can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter whether well, it's overfunded. It
3: hasn't, hasn't, it hasn't converted into the IRA yet. So he just proposed. He, well, I, don't I, listen to him. Okay. It's garbage. There's now, no. How how about the, the penalty? What What is the penalty for overfunding?
1: Well, I don't know if it's a, if there is a penalty at all. So are you the employer? I'm self employed. Yeah. Okay. So it was a defined benefit pension plan. How much monthly pension are they actually going to send to you? Well,
3: those original, I already transferred to IIA, but this is overfunded, so that's why it was sitting there. Okay. Well, I, I, but th- there's
0: the annuity is not going to solve it. I don't like. I don't have enough information to know whether or not there's a penalty for overfunding or if this is just something an advisor is telling you as a means to get you to buy a product. But what I do know is that a commercial annuity sold by an insurance company is not going to provide any other relief than just a regular IRA set up at a brokerage account.
3: I understand
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. So your net worth is, if $10 million, how much of that is investable, like in stocks and bonds, mutual funds, that sort of thing? Oh, I'm pretty aggressive. It was 90%. Okay.
3: So
0: what
1: did. The, yeah. uh, don't buy any of Yeah. Just you don't. Know, don't even okay. go back to no. this advisor. Oh, no, I really wouldn't. This is garbage. What do you need okay. this for? What do you need the guarantees of 7%? One more account. You got. I, I thought it was just a small percent. Yeah. So... Th- it doesn't matter. It's just garbage. You don't need a, a withdrawal guarantee of 7% on this. You're not going to use all it's your a, money in your Look, There's no
0: such thing as a free lunch, right? It's an insurance company. Insurance yes. costs money, right? It, like, it, it, I always, have a it, high deductible on my house and a high deductible on my car because I want to self-insure for those things, right? Yes. You've got plenty of money saved for retirement. You, can yes. se- you don't need to take... 500,000 of it and have insurance on that small portion, it's going to do nothing to you for you. It's not going to make your, not going to do anything with your, for your lifestyle. It's not going to, so what, what, why, why are you interested in these, Charles? Well, it's just to, it's
3: hard to, to, I don't know how to roll over this. Yeah. yeah. Wow. He's being I, sold this. This is why Pat said
0: find yeah, over, another advisor.
1: Overfund. So,
0: because he's going to make 7% commission to sell you these things. I don't
1: over, understand that. Charles, but the overfunding, this doesn't do anything to, to help any overfunding if there is even an overfunding. So what, what do you recommend? If I find I, a new it, advisor. Put it in and roll it into an IRA yeah. and put it in a low-cost portfolio diversified. Do it that way, but not annuities. If I, Charles, yes. if you were my mortal enemy, yes, I wouldn't put you in these products. Actually that's not true I might <laughs> I can't think of a reason in the world no okay I, I can't think of a single reason in the world why these would, would are going to improve your life it's just going to end up costing you money that you don't know not that there's not a time and place for annuities but not in this situation you're t- it's okay. 10 million you don't need the insurance it's uh, yeah you, you're, you're like you're building a you're you're in a fireproof home right now, and you're asking me about fire insurance, you're like, your home can't burn down. It will not burn down. Your portfolio, as long as you manage it effectively, this $550,000 in this annuity is nothing but a hindrance, a waste of time. And
0: it's designed, it's got a high YTB, yield to I broker. Can,
3: yes, you mean I can just call one of the brokerage company and ask them to transfer to IIA? That's I up- it.
0: That's yeah, it. Yeah, you might have to fill out paperwork with the pension to transfer it that way. But yes, it can go to any IRA. It can go to your bank's IRA.
1: Don't go to a bank though. Okay. It, so it, they it, Who who do you have brokerage accounts somewhere now? Yes, I do. I do have E-Trade and fidelities. There we go. Neither one of those. They'd be more than happy to to help you. More than happy. Okay. All right. The penalties, uh, my
3: accountant should be able to handle that. Yeah, it, yes. Yeah. Well, I don't even know. I look, the guy's
0: trying to sell you an annuity. I don't know why. So, for all I know, he's making up a story to scare you to put the so you put the money in the annuity. I don't
1: know. I don't know why the. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't. It doesn't okay. sound like it'd be that grossly overfunded Who unless knows?
0: it's a four fifteen limit.
1: But even then, and it
0: can't go to an IRA, and this is being proposed as. I don't know enough of information to give you, Yeah, but but it's, it's a chance, Pat. Let's assume
1: it's a 415. Well, how big was the, how big was the money that got rolled over to an IRA? Oh, I had two, I had two million
3: and they said the, the is 1.5. That's why I have overfunded
1: 500 K. That doesn't sound right to me.
3: Well, Well, that was a defined benefit pension.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it could be. It look, could be a four hundred and fifteen
4: limit.
0: If it can't go into an IRA, then put it in a brokerage account and build a proper portfolio. It doesn't need it to go in an annuity.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: And annuities are the worst taxation at, at death too. You put it. Okay. You put an S and P five. Look, here's the diff. You're seventy five, right? No one gets out of here alive. So let's assume you got twenty years. So you're, I, yeah. you're not. Odds are you're not going to spend these dollars because you've got nine point five right. other dollars, right? So. Um, If this goes into an S&P 500 fund and it grows, you pass away. Whatever growth is going to be forgiven at your death through a stepped up basis. You put it in this equity index annuity that's got this cap of 11 and a half or whatever. When you die, all that gain is going to be taxed as ordinary income to your estate. Which is the worst. Mm. So either way, whether an IRA or not an IRA, these are the wrong products. And I think you've got well, someone who's trying if, to make a it, high commission. If
3: it goes to IRA, then there's something left after I die. My my kids will inherit. That's right. It.
0: That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Don't use the annuities. I, if, I, Charles, I would find another advisor. I really would find another advisor. And Pat, every once in a while, you hear me make statements such as, "The world, although there are a place for annuities, the world would be a better place without them." It's for things like this. Uh, It's nearing that time, the sad time, again, nearing the end of our show. But uh, I want to let everyone know we've got a year-end webinar on our website, Planning with Perspective. It's a year-end wrap-up webinar. I hosted it along with Andy Stout, our chief investment officer. Um, During that, we cover the 2023 economic snapshot, our key market trends and takeaways, some insights for 2024 planning. And to um, participate with that, Wednesday, December 13th at noon, Thursday, December 14th at noon Pacific, those are both Pacific, and Saturday, December 16th at 9 a.m. Pacific. And to sign up, it's allworthfinancial.com forward slash
1: workshops. So thanks again for being part of our program. And as always, if you've enjoyed this show, please rate us and share it with a friend. Yep.